0: Hello and welcome to FinTech Bytes, a podcast series from CMS, in which we will discuss and provide insight into some of the latest technology and regulatory developments, market trends and issues affecting FinTech and innovation in financial services. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of FinTech Bytes. My name is Dilvia Kang. I'm an associate in the financial services team. And joining me today are Matthew Nyman and of counsel in our financial services and banking team and Yasmin Johal, who is an associate in the financial services team with me. In this episode of Fintech Bytes, we're going to talk about registering crypto asset firms under the money laundering regulations in the UK, the process, what you need, and some top tips for an application, as well as the developments in crypto assets in the next 12 months.
1: Great. Thanks for the introduction, Dil. Super excited to be on the podcast today and really excited to hear more from Matt around his experience on crypto assets uh, registration. So, Matt, my first question is around the money laundering registration process that crypto asset businesses are undergoing right now. Can you perhaps tell us a bit more about that?
2: Sure, Yasmin. Um, Crypto asset businesses are businesses that are doing um, exchange, crypto exchange or crypto custody, and they have to register with the FCA. Um, before they can do those types of business so um crypto asset exchange is um exchanging crypto for fiat or vice versa uh, or exchanging crypto for crypto um, and it also includes uh issuing crypto so even if you're not an exchange as such um you could still be Um, doing this activity if you are um, selling crypto basically for fiat or for crypto Um, and it's something that should be um, really considered by any any firm that's doing some kind of crypto business um, should should check with us or or with or with an expert uh, whether they fall into to that Uh, and then there's uh, also another one of another activity of Custodial wallet um, provision, which is uh, when a uh, a business is holding or safeguarding crypto on behalf of its customers, um, or if it is holding the uh, private keys on behalf of customers. So those are the those are the businesses that have to register. And um, the um, important point here is that um, whether or not the business has some kind of other fca or uh um, authorization um so let's say it could be doing e-money or investment activities uh, or if it's not or if it's not doing any other kind of uh, financial services activity um if it's doing one of these crypto asset activities then it has to be registered with the fca so it's kind of independent of any other form of regulation and um <clears throat> cms uh we are doing a lot of work in this area and we have been advising uh, about half of the firms um, that are in the application process with the fca um, and we're advising you know many more who are sort of joining the queue um and the uh range of firms is, is is very broad we are um Going to be uh, producing some uh, guidance and, and more information, and hopefully more, more podcasts to to help people through.
1: Great, thanks, Matt. Definitely going to be producing some more podcasts, so looking forward to that already. Um, that was a really kind of great introduction into the, kind of the process and what firms need to um, be aware of if you're operating within the crypto space. So, I guess my next question is: What is actually needed in AMLR? application
2: sure well I think the first thing to say is that um, for for anyone who may be familiar with money laundering registration with the FCA which is that in all other cases it is just a short form and you send off you know a sort of two or three page form with a check for 100 pounds and you never hear from the FCA again that's what registration used to mean and, and still does for for all for all the other businesses but for crypto asset businesses it's nothing like that at all um even though it's an it's a a, a registration um, you have to apply to the fca and they can decide whether to register you or not um, and it's also not a three-page form um it's uh, uh it's going to be sort of T- dozens, or probably hundreds, of pages of documentation, which are required, um, and the fee isn't 100 pounds; it's uh, 2,000 pounds or 10,000 pounds, depending on on the size of the business. So, I think the first thing to point out for people who are not aware is it's quite a big um, it, it's it's quite a big deal um, relative to to other types of uh, money laundering registrations, and um, it, it the the structure and content of the application is actually very similar to a um, proper financial services uh, authorization application. So e-money, a lot of firms that apply for crypto assets, business um, registration, will also have applied or will be applying for e-money. Um, so I think that's a useful comparison. And it's it's... You know it's it's almost the same in terms of the sort of information that you need to provide and it takes um, it can take uh, weeks to prepare and the fca sort of application process once it's submitted can take months and and we would say at the moment we don't know no one knows how long it takes but it could take around a year if you apply at the moment uh, so that's 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 the first thing when it comes to actually you know what is needed in the application and and what what firms need to to do which is which is your question Um, the the number one focus is on anti-money laundering because it is a money laundering regulations uh, thing and so um, here again to kind of contrast with other um, financial services applications uh, where the fca doesn't necessarily focus too much on um, AML and and firms can sort of get away with a relatively um, high level uh, anti-money laundering policy and documentation. Here, uh, the FCA really does go to town on the anti-money laundering um, approach of the firm. And so they'll be looking at having, uh, you know, anti-monitoring policy where they'll be looking at governance and risk management and not just the kyc and transaction monitoring although they will absolutely want to see a lot of detail on kyc and transaction monitoring including how firms are using uh, blockchain analysis and other tools like that so a lot of focus on any my It money laundering, but also a lot of focus on other stuff as well um, and um, and that is uh, going to be um, pretty much everything um, about the firm the business model the business plan financial forecasts corporate governance risk management across the business particularly outsourcing so um, that's a, that's a long list and that's that's pretty much um I think a good a good overview of it.
1: Great. Thanks, Matt. Do I know you had a couple of questions as well that you wanted to pick Matt's brain on.
0: Thanks, Yasmin. Yeah. So um you were discussing obviously the types of information the FCA will expect. Would you expect the FCA will really be focusing on when you're submitting one of these AML applications? Yeah, they uh, well I I think
2: I've um already uh, discussed the, the the focus on anti-money laundering approach um and and so so to reiterate the key parts of that are um a risk assessment and they will want to see um an, a well thought through real world risk assessment um looking at the particular customers the particular products um the particular, parts of the world that the business is exposed to. Um, Also, not just looking at the uh, customers, which is the focus of kind of anti-money laundering controls, the focus is on the customers. But actually, the FCA wants to see a sort of 360 degree risk assessment where the firm is also considering counterparties that it's dealing with. Um, So not customers, but sort of commercial um, wholesale, if you like, counterparties including uh, potentially intra-group counterparties, if if it's part of a a wider group. Um, And I mentioned um, KYC and transaction monitoring, again, in contrast to a um, a typical financial services application. Um, They'll want to see a lot of detail, um, exactly how the firm does KYC exactly how they do transaction monitoring down to the, down to the process level. So, um, so that's, that's the main area. Um, they are also focus a lot on the, uh, what's called fitness and propriety of the owners and the managers of the business. So they do look at the qualifications and background of the executives, the directors, and particularly the, uh, Person responsible for money laundering so the nominated officer or MLRO and, um, and and they do give those people a bit of a grilling if they don't think that they are um, sufficiently qualified um, so so that those are the things that the FCA uh, focuses on uh, and just one more tip I would say is that to sort of flip it around um, don't assume that the FCA will understand the business model that you are operating. So, you know, you might assume that the FCA will know exactly how a crypto asset exchange or crypto asset custodian will work. Um, But the thing is that every business is slightly different. And so, although the FCA, of course, does know how those businesses work, they won't make any assumptions. So you will actually have to spell out in addition to all the sort of regulatory stuff that you think the FCA will want to know about. um, You also have to take a step back and make sure that you have actually explained your business model um, and operationally how your business works. Um, And that's something where I think a lot of firms struggle because they haven't necessarily got that sort of stuff documented because they might have been taking a lot of it for granted. They might be changing a lot of it as they go. Um, but at some point, they have to be able to describe very clearly how their business works.
0: So those are the, those are the focus areas. Thanks, Matt, for that. Now, obviously, at the moment, there seems to be a fairly large backlog of applications with the FCA. I mean, I think as of today or as of the time of recording, we've only got five entities on the crypto asset, asset register at the moment. So how can firms make the process overall more efficient?
2: Yeah, the, um, it's, um, there's no easy answer to this. Um, and we get asked by firms uh, and clients all the time. You know clients who've already applied and clients who are thinking of applying uh, you know how can we get a quick response and I think just to manage expectations is that there there really isn't much that can be done um, and there's certainly uh, very very little um, ability to predict how long the process will take Um, there are some things that that you can do which will which are which I think will help um, and um, could get you through a bit quicker Uh, number one is just to submit a a very good quality application Um, i've mentioned a few things which i think are areas of focus and um, at cms we spend a lot of time with um, with clients preparing applications but we also spend a lot of time helping clients deal with the questions that come back from the fca so we we get we're building up an understanding of what the FCA is interested in and how they approach things. And so um, the more that the more that an applicant can front load all of that stuff uh, and just get it all um, up front in in the application, that is um, that's probably the best the best piece of advice. Um, and obviously we can we can help with that at CMS. Uh, Second thing is um, building a rapport, and in particular with the FCA, and in particular um, being known as an applicant that is um, uh, cooperative and responsive and switched on, because um, I, I don't know what their official policy is, but my, my sense is that they've got you know, lots of applicants, they've not got a lot of resources, my sense is that they will sort of want to back the winners as it were um, and so anytime you have any interaction with the FCA just really make a good impression um, including responding very quickly to any uh, communications and providing information when they request information Providing that information quickly um, and uh, and in, um uh, and if you can't provide it quickly you know, tell them be 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 transparent about your process because that builds up trust and rapport, and I think that um, elicits you know more sort of attention and, and effort from from the FCA. Um, uh, the 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 best way to um, to get through quickly is to get in early, but unfortunately that, uh, that 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 uh, the opportunity to do that has passed.
1: Thanks, Matt. I was just taking on your wise words of wisdom and wondering if there were more tips. Um, hopefully everyone's listening to this is also thinking the same. Um, so that's really useful, you know, really good summary on kind of what the process is and um, what, what the essay is focusing on and, you know, how firms can be efficient and make the most of this process.
2: There's one more thing which um, I'd like to add in. And that is just taking a step back. Um, And and this is one of the things that firms can do to to get a a, a quick uh, decision or relatively quick decision. Um, And that is to take a step back and think about um, whether the firm is actually subject to the MLRs and why. Because um, one of the uh, reasons that firms see delays or even rejections in their application is because the FCA is not convinced that um, they are within scope of the money laundering regulations. Um, and, you know, although being uh, registered and supervised is a burden, obviously a lot of firms do actually want to be registered. And um, so one thing is to uh, to work out, and this is where, again, CMS can and does uh, advise on this all the time, is to look at... Um, why the firm's activities are within the MLRs and to set that out to the FCA so that there aren't any problems uh, on that front, or if, they, if, if the FCA does ask questions, that there are, there are answers there. Um, and then the other thing, again, taking a step back, is to look at uh, what other authorisations the firm uh, will need. Um, Because I've already mentioned, you know, electronic money is is quite a common um, activity that can sort of run alongside these crypto assets uh, or overlap with these crypto asset activities. And um, there needs to be a strategy of, you know, when you put the applications in, do you put them in at the same time or one after the other? And how do you deal with the FCA in terms of trying to have those application processes joined up? So that's a that's a, a, another thing that firms I think should do um, to to make it a smooth process and we can help with that
1: thanks Matt that's really really helpful so back to kind of my question about the forward-looking um, next steps things that firms need to be aware of what do you think is happening within the next 12 months um, for crypto firms and within the crypto space
2: mm. well uh, there are lots of Um, developments in uh regulation of crypto assets going on all around the world um and um a lot of those are relevant to the firms that we deal with because they're international firms um but just looking at the uk there are two or three sort of open consultations or um i would say sort of initiatives that are going on and and you and dill there know you know as much or more about these um as i do um and we're we're putting uh, sort of client briefing notes and and articles on uh, law now so people should you know check um i think it's law now to see the articles that that cms is producing but um the, the the two or three main uh, main initiatives. One is uh, financial promotions, where the um, treasury is consulting or has consulted on extending the financial promotions regime uh, to include crypto assets. And and so for the uh, for the uninitiated, the financial promotions regime basically says that you cannot make a financial promotion. Um, and it's a criminal offence to do so unless you are an authorised firm, so you're authorised by the FCA, um, or if your financial promotion has been approved by an authorised person. And currently that doesn't include crypto assets, cryptocurrencies. So, you know, you can advertise on the side of a bus saying buy Bitcoin, um, but uh, if the uh, treasury consultation Sort of takes its course then there will likely be rules uh, in place that say you can't do that unless you're authorized um, or unless it's been approved and, and and it's not just that you have to be um, authorized or, or have it approved you also have to follow various rules and guidance around what you actually say so that will that will be quite a big um, restriction and sort of hurdle for uh for, for the for the for crypto Um, And then alongside that, the FCA is consulting on making uh, the promotion of certain um, products that they see as high-risk, they're consulting on making, on restricting the promotion of those just generally, Um, and that's an FCA consultation, but they're also going to include crypto assets in that. so. Um, it's quite possible that within the next, uh, when we, we don't know, but potentially within the next year, um, we'll go from a situation where people, anyone, can say basically anything they like about crypto buying, investing, trading in cryptocurrency, to a situation where you won't be able to say an awful lot, um, and you'll you'll only be able to, you know. Uh, promote to certain classes of, you know, potentially sophisticated investors. And you'll only be able to do that if you're an authorised firm. So that could be really big. Another thing, which is the uh, stablecoin consultation from the Treasury. And um, they produced a consultation a couple of months ago where they, they look at um, the regulation of cryptocurrency very broadly. And on on one hand, they're saying that they don't think they're going to be, uh, or they don't see the need to regulate uh, what they call exchange tokens, which are the, uh, I guess, the sort of, you know, uh, archetypal cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin or like um, Ethereum, where um, they are bought and sold um, and they have their own price. and. Um, so, those it looks like those will stay out of the uh, what we call the regulatory perimeter. But um, stable coins like USDT or USDC, and there are lots of others um, with with all you know, with, with relating to different fiat currencies, obviously, not just the dollar. Um, stable coins are a different um, creature and. Treasury is looking at regulating those. um, Well, firstly, the the regulators view those potentially as e-money already, Um, but they're looking at introducing much stricter um, regulation for firms that are issuing or distributing or basically involved in the uh, stablecoin market. And so that's something which... uh, I'm guessing is not going to be this year, but could be, you know, maybe next year or soon. Um, and that will be specifically with regard to stable coins. Uh, so that's, but those are the main, um, those are the main exciting developments uh, over the next year or so in, in the UK.
1: Great. Thanks, Matt. That was really helpful. And actually, I'm quite excited to see what, well, the outcome is on the on the stablecoin um, consultations that are out. I think that's a really exciting space, and perhaps it deserves a podcast of its own. Great. Well, it looks like it's a really exciting time for crypto asset firms, crypto businesses, as well as the crypto market more generally. Um, and you know, it's evident that crypto firms are going to need good legal counsel to guide them through the complexities of not just registration, but actually the next 12 months of um, potentially more regulation. Um, So Matt, I'm sure yourself, me and Dil, as well as a lot of our crypto specialists at CMS will be getting a lot more queries um, over the next 12 months. Um, So I guess in my view, just thinking about what you said, I think Generally, there's going to be a continued attraction of cryptocurrencies um, and the wider crypto market um, for a range of stakeholders, such as, you know, investors, regulators, partners. Potentially, there's going to be increased regulation, but also, you know, increased regulation will mean increased opportunities uh, and diversity of businesses. Matt, I know you've spoke about some of of the things that you think are happening within the next 12 months. Dill, do you have anything else that you want to add for our listeners?
0: Well, I think I'd just uh, echo what Matt said. I mean, financial promotions will be will not just cover UK firms, it will also cover international firms. So any firm that's offering crypto asset products to UK customers will be potentially caught. And on the stablecoin point as well, I think it'll be very interesting to see the HMT looking to create a regulatory environment for all firms that are offering stable coins so I just say watch your space
1: great thanks Dil, and thanks everybody for listening we hope you enjoyed our interview with Matt Nyman from CMS's uh, financial services and finance team if you want any further details around this topic or any of the points that we have discussed in this podcast then you can contact Matt uh, myself or Dilvia and our contact details are set out below Uh, As Matt mentioned, we also frequently publish thought leadership on this area. So please check out our website. You can also visit our FinTech webpage and our Twitter page, which is linked below. Thanks, everybody, for listening.